Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Thank you so much for joining me today on Nurses Out Loud Q&A. This is our new format that we are promoting. So please send in your questions to us. That is nurses at americaoutloud.com. And we will answer them on air. And today with me, I have Nurse Kimberly, who is your Wednesday host. And our nurse co-host, our nurse guest co-host, Nurse Nicole. That's another thing we want to offer you. Um, I know that there are many of you guys out there that are fighting the good fight alongside of us. And we would love to have you on um, as a special guest and opine on, you know, the different topics that we talk about. So please send us a message, nurses at America Out Loud, and just let us know um, what you've done, what you're doing, and why you would like to be a guest co-host on our show. Uh, So welcome, ladies. Thank you for joining me today. You. Thank you. Yeah. Nicole's here. I'm excited. We had such a great conversation last week. We really did. Yes. Do you remember the title of the show, Kimberly? Of the show that we did? Yeah. Uh, They changed it. Um, So, no. (laughs) I don't. I I had one title, but I think that the editors changed it. So, but hold on. Like informed consent, something about informed consent. Yeah, something about fighting for for informed consent from the bedside, I believe. Awesome. Well, we will put that in the show notes um, yeah. on, on today's show so you can listen to that interview. Uh, Nicole and I did an interview uh, just now about what it's like being in the hospital and also uh, all the chest pains that we are seeing come in. Now, Nurse Nicole works in a chest pain center where she gets all of the documents from the people that leave the ER, essentially, or the hospital. And they get worked up so she can really um, do deep dives into their charts. And she's noticing a huge correlation um, between vaccination, comorbidities and um, adverse outcomes um, like heart attacks. So um, that will also be in our show notes as well. So, yeah, matter of fact, guys, just right now, whatever you're listening to us on, um, put it so that you get access to the shows all the time, right? If you're listening to us on your on your podcast app, then make sure that you have our shows saved and um, and that you are getting notified of new shows that are coming out because we are speaking um, on air five days a week uh, on live on iHeartRadio or on our America Out Loud Talk radio app that you can download um, at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard. And as always, all of our shows go to podcast a, a day or two later. So 
Make sure you are saving, sharing, liking, reviewing our shows. Um, we absolutely love that. And so do the, the algorithms in these tech places. So the more that you guys are doing that and the more people that are viewing it, you know, obviously the more education that is going out there. And that is why we are doing this. We're not doing this to hear our own voices and our opinions. We're doing this to educate the world essentially we we want everyone to know like we are ethical nurses and we stand by our oath and um, believe in autonomy and informed consent and all of the ethical principles of nursing so uh, make sure you are um, promoting us and sharing our shows so thank you for that so let's just get started i received uh, a message from someone who is anonymous, which that is absolutely fine. They said, hello, RNs. I'm planning on quitting my new grab, new grad RN job at five months to do solo traveling for at least six months. And I, and I had to ask for clarification. So this is a new nurse that has been working for five months and she wants to leave to go travel the world, you know, having fun uh, for at least six months. While I know this isn't the best thing to do financially, I would like to hear your insight if this would impact my chances of finding a job as an RN after I finish my solo traveling. I'm open to all of your wisdom and advice. Kimberly, you want to give your I opinion. Do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I I do. You can you just see me because we're on we're on camera. We can see each other. I think she sees me like jumping out of my my chair over here. Um, I, I can completely understand that you want to travel and that you you probably are disillusioned with the system and the way that it is. But I do not recommend travel nursing at five months post graduation. That is not safe. No, that no, is... she doesn't want to travel nurse. She wants to travel oh. the world. Have... Oh, okay. I feel so much better now. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, please don't do that. Don't do that. Cause that is not safe. No, right. no, no. Yeah. I okay. actually don't even think that uh, a travel company would take her if she doesn't have at least a year. Well, they will now. Yeah, true. Yeah, that they true, will true. now. Um, oh, so do I think that that if she took some time off to travel the world, do I think it would affect her chances of getting a job later? Yeah, she's been a nurse for five months as a new grad, and <laughs> she wants to leave for at least six months and then come back and, and be a nurse. No, I don't think it'll affect your chances if you have a, a heartbeat and a pulse. Um, <laughs> they're going to take you. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but it's true. I mean, honestly. I mean, the, with the shortages being what they are, I mean, you can pretty much, I mean, they'd almost take me. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they took me. <laughs> they'd almost hired me. I'd, I'd really almost like to like test that theory and go apply for a job at the hospital I left and see if they would take me back. Just you know, interesting. I mean, I'd never go, but it would be interesting to see. <laughs> Maybe you should do no, that. No, I, you should just do it for the heck of it. I should. <laughs> I'll, then I'll record an episode on it. I think that would be fun. Yeah, no, I think, no, my opinion, no, I don't think you'll have an issue. Go enjoy, go travel, take a break. Keep learning though, keep reading. Nurse keep Nicole? I mean, again, just to kind of piggyback off that, I, you know, we do have such shortages that I don't believe getting a job is going to be difficult. However, you know, sometimes with that little of experience and then kind of 
coming out, you know, medicine is changing a lot and we do different protocols and different things. So depending on where you may look to get a job, it may be a little difficult for you to get acclimated um, because again, there's a lot of changes, but you know, there are currently, I think the last time I looked over a million job openings in the United States for nurses. So they are not um, few, few and far between, but again, to be selective in what you may want to do could also impact, you know, where you go. So yeah. yeah. Plus, you know, at five months, at five months postgrad, I mean, uh, it took me literally years after mm-hmm. graduating. To, so yeah. I did the, didn't feel like a baby nurse, right? But I actually felt like, oh my God, like I can actually do this on my own. Um, because you, when you come out of nursing school, you don't know what you don't know until you get to the bedside. Right. And so, you know, you're probably just starting to get your momentum and, and starting. So, for, I mean, I was, I was, if, if it's the only consideration you have is will you get a job? Yes, you'll probably very likely get a job, but I don't think it would be the smartest thing uh, to, to leave and then come back when you're just kind of getting acclimated to nursing and to being at the bedside. Um, it's probably a better idea for you in the long term. And this is not you, you know, finding a job, but just you for your own uh, career and your own knowledge and, and your skill set. Um, it would probably be better to continue on right now. Yeah, I mean, my opinion, do I? I was like, I feel like I was giving bad advice. Like, yeah, go travel, screw it. But I mean, when you really think about it, it's not a good idea because you're, you know, you know how long it takes you to get acclimated, especially to a new unit, to a new, a specialty, as Nicole said. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's probably not, it's not like, you know, you're a seasoned nurse. If you are a seasoned veteran nurse, I would be like, yeah, go take some time off, whatever, come back. But um, yeah, you want to, you want to kind of continue on and, and get acclimated to, to your environment and to nursing and as a whole. Right. Yeah, I think my opinion on it would be more um, immediately I'm questioning you really wanting to be a nurse. Right. I know that when I graduated as a new grad, I mean, I loved it. I loved it so much. And I was just so happy to go into work on my three shifts a week and and spend that time, you know, off. I think if you're wanting my wisdom on that, I would suggest doing that. Try to group your days together and um, and then you know, have a big chunk off where you can travel for a week at a time, 10 days at a time. Right. And then you come back and work your three shifts in a row or six shifts in a row and then go out and travel. Um, but I, you know, I am a huge proponent of traveling and seeing the world. And I know that if you're a new grad right now in 2024, then you went through school during COVID. Right. And you don't really have a lot of insight as to what that means, like patient care, right? Uh, bedside care, um, the culture on the units, those kinds of things. So I agree with Kimberly in saying that I would try to hold out for at least a year, um, another six months, right? And unless you're a new grad and you're a month in and you're already planning what you're doing at month five, um, you know, maybe nursing isn't for you. Um, and that's fine. That's totally fine. Maybe you want to reevaluate and look at what your options are because you don't have to be a nurse at the bedside. I mean, you could work for with Kimberly at Remnant Nursing doing advocacy. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I would suggest going to remnantnursing.org and and checking out all of the different options because you can work remotely. Um, there's there's an, and have your own business. You yeah. can and and you'll be trained in functional medicine. So we'll we'll indoctrinate yeah. you to uh, kind of what you've learned in nursing school. I mean, in nursing school. You know, you have to take what you can get from it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is, um, you know, that we learn a lot of valuable skills and we do, we, we learn a lot of valuable things in nursing school, but a lot of it is a lie. So, but you have right. to, I mean, it just is, it is what it is. A lot of it is a lie and we have to start looking at people holistically. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that answers your question. Did you want to add anything to that nurse Nicole? No, I think it's good. Like I said, unless it's something for like mental health reasons or something like that, but even then if you're a few months in and you know, mental health is now coming up as a concern where you need to take a break to travel, then like you said, we might need to reevaluate the right area as a nurse, which there is no shame in that at all, because it is very Absolutely. different. Um, but, you know, again, just depending on the reasoning um, could, you know, vary kind of what the opinion is, but um, yeah. just to evaluate where you are and to make sure, is this the right fit? And to know that if it isn't, that's okay too. There's plenty of areas, like you said, you could go into and have options. Mm-hmm. And I second what you said, Jody. taking that, that grouping your days together. And that's the beautiful thing about nursing is that you can work your three shifts, have four, that you can, the, you can set it up to where you're able to take, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 days off at a time. Um, so it, it's a beautiful thing. That's one of the, my favorite parts of being a nurse when I was at the bedside. So I, I think that was great advice, Jody. Yeah, mine too. I, I, that's what I did. And if I wanted to, and then don't forget you're accruing PTO during that. So, you know, as the, the weeks go by, you know, you can maybe take a two week vacation and, you know, and then you have sick days. Don't be afraid to use them. They're yours. You know, um, I always tell people too. sick days doesn't mean that you're running to the bathroom every five seconds, right? That's right. a health day and you need one as a nurse. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, throw in a couple sick days in there and, and take another trip. Just don't post it on social media and you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. They're going to guilt you no matter what anyway, for taking a day off, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll fight you all day long. <laughs> you'll have to ignore that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So our next question is from Lisa and Lisa says, what are y'all's thoughts on nurses protesting for safe staffing and blocking the buses of travel nurses that are getting bussed in in Hawaii? Are you familiar with what's going on in Hawaii? Um, so I, I was not familiar just other than that, like brief little rundown that I got right when we started the show, but I have a kind of unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I have, a, that's nothing new, right? Nurse Kimberly <laughs> has an unpopular opinion. Um, so if you recall, like, I think it was two years ago, they had the million nurse March on, I think it was in DC yeah. and which listen, I get it. I get it. We, we've been begging for change and this it's a broken system for decades. The system has been broken long before COVID. COVID just opened, kind of brought uh, more, shed more light on the brokenness of the system. But it's been like this for decades, probably centuries. Look at Florence Nightingale um, and her quotes from on uh, in Notes on Nursing, where she talked about um, bad architectural and bad administrative practices made it often difficult to nurse. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true. So it's been true for a long time. And... So my, while I get it, 
you know, where we were protesting for safer staffing, uh, more pay. It's, it's not that I don't think we deserve more pay or that we need safe staffing. Absolutely, I do. It's just that these are problems that have plagued our profession for decades and longer. And we keep asking for change. It's not coming. It's not coming. How long are we going to continue to do that? That's why, for me personally, that's why I started Nurse Freedom Network. That's why I started Remnant Nursing, because I was tired of begging for change that wasn't coming. Um, so I, I had an po unpopular opinion, and I didn't participate in that Million Nurse March. And the reason why is because we were not allowed to speak about vaccine mandates, um, which to me, if we're not talking about bodily autonomy, like what else matters? Yeah. Right. What else matters if we can't talk about our own bodily autonomy? So for, for those reasons, I chose not to participate in the, and I, I took a very unpopular position and I upset many of my followers uh, that were supporting me. They, they could not understand why I would, I would break from, you know, the nurses. But again, I think it's, I, I don't like the, the, the way that they're pitting nurses against one another. Um, that's by design, in my opinion, uh, I, and, I, and I don't like it. You know, I, we're all nurses at the end of the day, and we should be supporting one another, whether we're a travel nurse or a staff. And, and I totally get it. I mean, you know, travel nurses are getting paid 10 times what we, did, we got as staff, but we all have the opportunity to travel if that's what we wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to leave because my um, community, I felt like my community needed me at that point because everybody was leaving the bedside to travel for 10,000 a week. Well, who's going to take yeah. care of our family, our neighbors, and the, those of uh, the people in our community? So mm -hmm. I stayed behind, but I had the option. So you can't guilt anybody, you know, for, for taking that. I don't blame a single one of them that left um, to, to do travel nursing. I do hate that they didn't speak up though about what was going on because the 10,000 a week, in my opinion, is blood money, hush money. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's my yeah. opinion. Nurse Nicole, you were a traveler, right? Yes, ma'am. I traveled, uh, from 2022 to 2023. Um, so kind of more so towards the end of it, if you will. Uh, I personally traveled just to get away from the politics of the hospital that I was at more so because of what I was seeing on the unit that I was working on and the fact that I wasn't vaccinated for the COVID-19 vaccine, how I was being treated and how it wasn't getting any better. And the culture was really toxic. Um, you know, so to, to, to kind of go maybe a little bit of a different perspective, you know, when everybody might not know that not every hospital allows, if you will, nurses to strike, usually you have to have a union or something in place that allows nurses to do that without necessarily losing their job. Um, there's other ways to maybe stand out, but, you know, like, like Kimberly said, you know, a lot of this is repetitive in nature. You know, it's kind of almost seems purposeful. There's a reason why almost every single state in the United States does not have safe staffing laws. People will say it's because of like emergencies or, you know, disasters and, you know, what would we do? And, you know, the big takeaway is that our culture has consistently declined in healthcare. And for the most part, nurses will strike because they feel like they're in unsafe situations and they're being put in, um, you know, not being paid for all the work they're doing with taking on. You know, I always say that the goal is to, you know, do more with less. And so a lot of times it boils down to, you know, their compensation, their safety, you know, making sure that management is held accountable. And so to go along with what's happening in Hawaii, you know, uh, this these types of tactics have been happening for as long as I've been a nurse, almost two decades. And what I don't like, um, whether I was a traveler or not, you know, a lot of the nurses that strike have very strong opinions about 
what they call these travel nurses as scabs. This is a term that they use. It's supposed to be offensive. And they call them scabs and they get really upset. And I understand why, you know, the hospital, it doesn't make sense. They can't pay you a raise or fix your staffing, but they can pay, you know, $10,000 a week. It's a very short amount of time that this happens. But also, too, to remember that the violence against each other and the fact that there are actual healthcare professionals striking for a good cause and then turn around and, you know, block buses and threaten violence against nurses who, you know, um, are just coming to do a job. Now, whether they choose to do it for the money or not, um, the problem is, is that there's a patient laying in that bed that mm -hmm. needs some care of them. And whether it's you striking or giving the having the option to strike, these nurses are being brought in. So you can, you know, they're being given this opportunity, whether we like it or not. And at the end of the day, these patients need to be cared for. And so I my my opinion is, is that it it is what it is. It's it's one of the parts that come with it. If you want to strike, you have to have someone else brought in so that the patients can be taken care of because that is unacceptable, unethical. And, um, you know, the fact that you would try to say that you're doing something for good and then turn around and try to harm your own and, you know, name call and threaten and everything else, it makes you know better, you know? So to me, it's a very touchy subject. I don't think it's appropriate or it should be allowed. Um, and so, you know, we, we keep seeing it. And again, like, like Kim said, I think it's all by design to really kind of segregate and separate, um, you know, and again, those same people don't realize the hospitals are not going to do things long term. If you want to make real change, you have to get this kind of volume together and maybe go to your legislation, go to your state, try to make change at a state level, because these hospitals are going to get away with it until they're forced by law to change, which most are not willing to do. So, you know, um, that's really my opinion on that. Yeah, I, I think. I think we need to break it down a little bit, right? So let, let's talk about this and in, in terms of topics. Um, one, these nurses are striking for a better patient to nurse ratio, meaning, and I want to let the listeners know, for, for example, on a typical med surge unit, that is where people are placed in the hospital for everything other than cardiac related or critical care. Okay. That's where all of your post-ops go. That's where all your diabetics go. That's where all your wound care goes. That's where all of your psych patients go. Um, the med surge is pretty much a dumping ground for everything that's not critical. And that does not need cardiac monitoring meaning like it's not a heart issue and we need to keep you on a monitor looking at your rhythm. <clears throat> In those situations, good patient to nurse ratios are one to four on day shift and one to six on night shift. These nurses, what were you working? What were, what were your ratios as a traveler, Nurse Nicole, and what area were you in? Depends on the specialty. So if I was on a step down unit, sometimes I could have three or four, but that means the acuity or how sick the patient is required a lot more of my time. Um, for med surge units, which was rare that I got sent to, but or like a PCU, a progressive care unit, it could be anywhere from five to six. But in some facilities in the state that I'm in, they take up to eight or more uh, patients on these med surge units because the idea is that they don't require as much interventions from the nurse which 
depending on, like you said, it's kind of a free-for-all. It's kind of a dumping ground. Some oh of my gosh, be- it is. You could have a post-op patient roll in, have yeah. <laughs> a, a psych patient that you need to, uh, to tie down in another right. room. You can have another person with a blood sugar of 700. I mean, their med surge is the busiest floor. Um, I, I think, yeah, ICU is one thing, but you're, you're very regimented and contained in an ICU, right? Most of the time, you know, your patients are intubated. So you have control controlled chaos. Them. Yeah. Control it's controlled chaos. chaos. Yeah, yeah. But on a med surge floor, I mean, anything goes, then you have, surge. yeah. And then you have the doc that's coming in and discharging the patient at 4 PM. And so you got to get that patient out because charge nurse just called you and said, we have an admit coming in. You got to get that patient out so we could clean the room so we can get that patient in. Meanwhile, you're taking post-op vitals. I mean, you hear where I'm going, uh, uh, listeners, like there's a lot going on. So even if you had a couple of patients that required a lot of time, even that one to four ratio is a lot. That one to six ratio, the only reason they do a higher ratio at night shift is because typically, hopefully patients are sleeping, right? So you could do it. Now- They've nurses, never heard of sundowners, those people, have they? Oh, oh my gosh, sundowners. They're sundowners. like hanging from the rafters at night <laughs> shift. They're so sweet during the day. And then they're hanging from the rafters at night. But just to piggyback on what you said about safe and ratios, I'll tell you this interesting story. I was, I was six months post-grad, new nurse, brand new nurse, right? Six months. Um, I get floated for the very first time off my unit. Now I, I was in uh, I was in uh, CVICU at the time. I, I did I did not start in I started in the CVICU and then I went to ICU. I've never worked med surge other than being floated. Okay, so that's cardiac ICU. Yes, sorry, cardiac ICU. So they went ahead and they um, floated me down to med surge, which is all well and good. They gave me a ratio eight patients. Eight no. patients. Okay, yeah, eight. Th- yes, eight patients. One of them had a blood pressure of seventy nine, like over thirty or something ridiculous, with no IV access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of my, all of these patients needed to be, and I'm like fighting to. I, I'm trying to refuse this assignment. I was like, this is not safe. I'm a brand new nurse. I was like, are you people high? I'm not used to these ratios. Like, the, I mean, it was everything about it was not safe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, and I, I would implore nurses when you know that you're in an unsafe situation, I don't care if you're a month out, six months out, 10 years out, if it's not safe, do not accept the assignment, period. They are forced to, to make it work. Yes. They are forced to call in another, another nurse or God forbid, they are forced to take a patient themselves. Yes. Those uh, nurse managers get on the floor, managers get on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, so that that's very important and and for people to understand, you know, these ratios, you know, they, they, they're more and they're pushing it more because so many of us left the bedside. Right. Right. And I mean, and there's a big part of me, there's a big part of me that, you, you know, how I always tell you guys, that, you know, I have like the devil inside my head <laughs> trying not to, he's, just, he's trying to use my mouth. Right. But I, oh, I really, I really try to, to silence him and put him in a little corner because there is a big part of me. That's like, dude, what did you think was going to happen? Exactly. What did you think was going to happen when we 
said, we are leaving because we don't want to participate in an experiment. We, you know, and, and then the nurses did not step up. So there's a huge part of me. That's just like, Hey, you get what you asked for. Yeah. You get what you asked for. But then there's the other part of me that loves people. And I love nursing and I love all of the principles that I stand for, right? Like the three of us, we stand for those nine principles of nursing ethics. They forgot a bunch of them. And now they're wanting to come back and say, hey, we're not doing this anymore. But, you know, for us to say like too bad, too so sad, you know, that's not in our character. So now we're like, okay, well, how can we help? Like, what can we, what can we, what advice can we give you um, and, and I guess it would be, uh, striking. I mean, what else are they going to do? They have to strike. They have to put their voices out there and say, this is dangerous. But you know, what is just shocking is when I look at the thread <clears throat> and, you know, let me see if I can pull that up because I look at the thread and what these people are saying. And it's like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we have to go to break. So we'll go to break. And then when we come back, I'm going to, I want to play you uh, a little clip of the news uh, media or the news station in Hawaii that is uh, talking about this and telling you what some people are saying. Well, what a vast majority of people are saying, what the public feels about nurses today versus what the public felt about nurses in 2020. But before we do, I want to um, direct you guys to check out ASEA. ASEA is a redox signaling molecule um, that helps at the cellular level. People ask all the time, well, what is that? Well, guys, we take supplements right? To provide nutrients for our cells. But if our cells aren't functioning at an optimal level, then those nutrients will not be absorbed um, as efficiently as they possibly can be. And that's where the ASEA Redox cell signaling supplement, it's two ounces in the morning, two ounces in the evening. It's basically salt water with this Redox technology um, that nobody on the market has, as far as I know, that helps to boost boost your cell at that cellular level to uptake these vitamins and nutrients and um, to give you uh, energy. I know nurse Kimberly talks about her experiencing uh, revitalizing energy. Uh, the same with me. I, I just absolutely love this product. So I encourage you to go to americaoutloud.shop and get our exclusive discount only available to America Out Loud talk radio listeners, and we'll be right back. It's time and this is Asia believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. Asia, we power potential. For exclusive savings, Use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. 
Click the CofixRx banner on americaoutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, americaoutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Well, the year 2024 is upon us. And it is our chance to get it right and take back a free America. AmericaOutloud.news is your source for uncensored and factual news that facilitates truth and unity among all Americans to restore that American dream we have always cherished. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Welcome back. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud on our Tuesday edition Q&A. And I have with me Nurse Kimberly, your Wednesday host, and our special nurse guest nurse co-host, Nurse Nicole. We are opining on several of your uh, questions, and we will continue that. I want to play this clip from Hawaii News Report. And this is concerning the nurses' strike in Hawaii right now. Young children hospitalized with health challenges have been unable to sleep because of the striking nurses outside Kapiolani Medical Center. After two days on the picket lines, we're also seeing how those nurses are treating their temporary replacements. Sir Eddie Dow reports from Bingham Street. Well, these nurses have been here on strike since Sunday, more than 600 Union workers walking off the job without pay. Now, we're already starting to hear complaints from within the hospital about noise, but union reps tell me they can't stop cars from driving by and honking in support. Dozens of nurses at a time have been chanting and line dancing, purposely making their voices heard to raise awareness of their complaints about the staffing at Kapiolani Medical Center. We don't want to be there every day for 16 hours. Horns, a lot of horns. That really is the one that stands out the most. Marissa McElfresh's three-year-old son is battling a rare genetic condition. She says she had to move rooms because the noise was keeping her son from resting. Because he was constantly being startled, it was really hard for him to get a good amount of rest. That was my main thing. It was causing me a lot of anxiety. We've got our patient and family liaisons that are rounding on our patients and they're giving them little earphones for their um, ears and little mufflers. We've also heard complaints from patients across the street at Shriners Hospital. I want to say sorry. You know, it happens with a strike. The nurses union is leading the week-long strike, hoping to reduce the number of patients assigned to a single nurse to avoid burnout and improve the quality of care. They say the last thing they wanted to do is disrupt patients. I would complain to the management employer and just say, hey, let's let's get it done. It's bothering us. 
know, go with the nurses, let's meet back at the table, and let's get this done. On Monday night, the striking nurses blocked the bus, taking their temporary replacements back to their hotels in Waikiki. The police allowed them to delay the transport for three minutes. Back inside the hospital, despite having to move to a quieter room, McElfer says she still stands with the nurses and their fight to improve staffing conditions. I support them, and I hope that everything works out for them. You know, I do hope that things um, get better for them. Have you doubt who you news now? First, it's a young children. So... So there's that. I mean, she said something in there that I think people don't realize. And we even haven't touched on this. She said, I don't want to work 16 hour days anymore because that's what happens, right? If you don't have the staff to be able to show up to accept your assignment, you yeah, cannot sure. leave. No, nope. you guys want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've, I've actually had to work a couple of uh, 16 hour shifts because for that very reason, because we were short staffed and we had to wait for somebody to, till day shift could get somebody in there. And yeah, you can't leave because it's, uh, that's patient abandonment and your license is uh, in jeopardy at that point. So it's not as simple as saying, well, you know, screw this, I'm out, you know, you, you can't do that. And that's the same reason when I say don't accept an assignment that is not safe, because you're you're jeopardizing your license, right? And if you think that the hospital is going to have your back, it's not. It's not going to have your back. They will be the first ones to throw you under the bus every single time. And that's why I do recommend, um, because a lot of nurses won't get um, their own liability insurance. They are under that false uh, hope or um, idea that the, the hospital's insurance will cover them. And well, that's true in theory, um, the hospital is going to throw you right under the bus. You need to have your own protection in place. I think we've seen that demonstrated over and over and Redonda Vaught's a good example of that. Yeah. And it's only, it's only a couple hundred dollars for the year. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a lot. Yeah. It's absolutely not a lot, um, but yeah, that clip made me kind of sad, you know, because again, it's it's like the definition of insanity where we're doing the same thing over and over again. We're expecting different results, um, and and that's why I don't partake in these nursing strikes because it doesn't change anything. And at the end of the day, we're supposed to be caring for patients. It's supposed to be about patient care, patient safety. So the idea that you know we're making patients uncomfortable, I, I just don't like it. So what I would you what what can they do then, Kimberly? I mean, you could you can come work for uh, remnant nursing. I can <laughs> right. tell you that. I mean, well, I mean, I'm just you know, listen. I know everybody can't leave the bedside. I get that, but here's what has to happen. I think that a number of us walking away and starting something completely different, right? The more we become. Um, viable right and, and an option for people the problem now is that people don't have any other alternative they, they, in many cases the standard of care is being met in these hospitals it's just that the standard of care is so disgustingly low in this country it's not that it's not being met it's that it's so low and it's um it's 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 disgusting and i think we can all three speak to that um but there's no other alternative for people Right. So as long as we are coming out here and we're creating something and people understand that they don't have to go to these hospitals, they can come to these other alternative organizations and other um, facilities, they're not going to have any choice but to raise their standards in order to remain um, and remain viable. 
and relevant. So I think that's one thing that we can do. I think that's what we're doing um, at Remnant Nursing. And again, I, you know, I've been saying from the beginning, I wish we could burn the system to the ground, but the, the, the fact is that's not going to happen. And there's always going to be patients that no matter how hard they try, will not be able to come out of that system. So we've got to do the best that we can on this side to ensure that they're raising their standards on the inside. Um, and that we have good nurses like Nicole, who's still at the bedside fighting for those patients every day, um, that they have informed consent. Because if you think about it, she's probably one of very, very few um, nurses that are, are not just kind of going along to get along she's in there but she's 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 speaking up and she's educating those patients mm -hmm. so we're, we're going to need more nicole's in that system so i don't I, by no means myself telling everybody to walk away and leave but we have to do something and it has to be something drastic nicole we're going to get different results i think i think too like depending on the state that you live in you know i always try to kind of give a, a different kind of point of view you need to know the laws in your state you need to know what you're protected uh by and from if you will if you work as a healthcare worker you need to know uh what's going on in your hospital system you need to make sure that you know up front like what the expectations are the the types of acuity and the ratios that they are telling you versus what ends up happening do not always coincide but you know kind of going back to what kimberly said you know i worked on a unit one time that we were you know it's like a step down unit and we were supposed to have four to one. And sometimes we'd come in, it'd be a five to one and we didn't have enough resources. And we had new nurses titrating neosinephrine, which is a medication for blood pressure really shouldn't have been on the type of floor that we were working on. And the acuity was so high. And so we kind of banded together um, some days that we came in and we didn't clock in and we made a very big deal about not being okay with taking the five to one ratio. And that was met with a lot of resistance. I had, one time the CNO come down and say, you know, you're going to take it because you can't leave these night shift nurses here any longer. They've already worked and, you know, really just kind of explaining the unsafe situation. So, you know, to kind of go back into it, it's like you need to know that if, if you're going to work in the hospital system, it's high risk, high liability. It's very broken. And there's a lot of things you're not going to be able to necessarily change. However, not accepting an assignment, don't clock in. I, I just want to say that if you clock in and then you don't accept it, it's considered patient abandonment, especially in Florida. But um, if thank you, you for saying that, Nicole, because I did forget to mention that about so, the clocking in. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't know, they just assume. Yeah. So don't clock in, always check your assignment, make sure things are looking okay. You know, if you have time to go ahead of time and try to see what kind of patients you're getting, you know, it's not going to be perfect always. You just need to be able to speak up. One of the things that I do on the side is, you know, starting up like legal nursing and as a consultant and just kind of seeing what we're seeing that these hospitals are doing and how they're putting these healthcare workers at risk and they're allowing these bad behaviors and bad practices to happen. So as nurses, it's your responsibility to be able to identify what you can handle. If you're being floated somewhere, do you have the experience in that specialty to work safely and within your scope of practice? You know, don't accept assignments that are not safe. You know, you have to be reasonable because again, there's certain things that just kind of blow up and people are just not wanting to do certain things, not just because they don't want to. You have to have, we're professionals, we have licenses. You have to make sure you use 
good judgment and your critical thinking. Patients rely on us when we come into work to have someone take over. Your coworkers rely on you to relieve them so they can go home because legally we cannot leave. So it's really knowing your laws, you know, what are you capable of, making sure you don't clock in, look at your assignments, see if this is something, you know, you're comfortable with, and then always document, 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 whether that's in the chart that you've let someone know you're not comfortable with an assignment, that could be debatable, I say do it, um, you know, or letting your management know via email with your name on it and their name on it, always notify through the chain of command that this is not okay, you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel safe, print that out, Make sure you have it so that you're protected so that they can't say you did not notify someone because most of the time that these nurses are taking these assignments and something bad happens, you can't use you can't use the staffing. It's not something that they're going to let you pursue in court from that aspect because you knew about it and you still took the assignment. So it's just really being aware of what your rights are as a particular floor nurse. Um, so, you know, again, it's just it's not going to be easy, but always be able to document or speak up for yourself because you could potentially save lives. You know, again, you could get injured, you could make a mistake. And like Kimberly said, they will throw you so far under the bus. And when we talk about the liability, just really quickly, you are only covered by the hospital if you follow policy and procedure and standards of protocol to a T. Now I can tell you when we're put in some really bad situations, I'm not always able to do that because sometimes we have to MacGyver certain things and work within a system to protect us and the patient. If that ever was found out, they could use that because it's not technically policy and procedure. Whereas someone that goes and gets additional insurance, one of the biggest complaints that nurses make is I don't want to be double sued. Well, okay. The hospital's not going to cover you anyways. <laughs> so you want to have your own protection so that if something happens, you can have representation to unbiasedly represent you because the hospital is only going to look out for themselves. HR, risk management are not for you ever. They are for them. So I say that working in a hospital system, you know, again, it's, it's what they have to do. It's a business. It's a working machine to keep them going. They don't care about anything else except the bottom line. So just know that you, they need you as much as we need to take care of our patients, but you have to be safe. You have to be smart. So always just know what your rights are and to make sure that you're very, um, you're very keen to that because there will be situations that you could be put in that um, you could be considered guilty for uh, because you took the assignment or you agreed to it or you didn't follow policy and procedure or the standard of, um, you know, reaching up to the chain of command. If we don't do those things and you can't prove it, then, you know, we're just as at fault. So you just want to really educate yourself on that process. So I have a question with regards to accepting assignment because many times you don't, well, you don't know the charge nurse is coming in at the same time you're coming in, right? And the charge nurse is getting report from the offgoing charge nurse, and then they make up the assignment. So um, the clocking in part, I mean, I think for me, and I don't know, like nurse Nicole said, look at it legally, but legal, I mean, when when you walk into work, you uh, punch in your time clock and then you hang out there until they do shift report. Right. And then you're coming in and doing shift report and then you're finding out what your assignment is. But until oh. you get that patient assignment and you hear report, that's not your patient. It's not your patient. So if I'm coming in and I find out that, hey, there's only two nurses here with me, 
in the break room and there's usually four or five at that point, I'm saying something right. And, and I, and I know I agree with you, uh, Nicole is people need to document in the chart. If you have a patient that you're taking care of and you didn't get to them, you know, and you were delayed, you know, in giving their meds or putting in their vitals or whatever it is, put a note in there, you know, that you're working short staffed and, you know, patients on monitor, you're visually seeing it um, and monitoring, but you didn't, you weren't able to document something like that. Um, and then I remember uh, one of my teachers she told me, she said, I had a little notebook. I had a little notebook that I kept with me. I and, had one too. Yep. And she said, and any, any time there was something that just felt a little off or um, something had happened on the shift, she said, I would put their initials in the date and I would write a little note because that will hold up in court. You know, that will hold up in court because you could say, hey, listen, on this date, I took a note. This was what was going on. I think that's probably one of the single best things that we can do is um, is to keep that little notebook of of that. So so that in case we are ever called into question. But yeah, like if you are the nurse that are that's coming in 15 minutes early every day and you're hovering around, breathing down your charges neck saying, what's my assignment? What's my assignment? I mean, they're just going to target you. Yeah, but the so. assignment should be is, is typically made on day shift by the charge nurse on day shift. That's how it was in my hospital. The, the day charge would um, already make the assignment. So I mean, it is kind of yeah. like a way just depends. But it, it, I think it's it's kind of a difficult thing because here I, I've tried that a couple of times where I didn't clock in and I would go and hang out first and then I would always forget to clock in. So yeah. that's always not a good strategy for me because it's me. So, <laughs> But it isn't a bad idea. I think it's a great idea she had. Try to yeah, make it a point it to get important. to work 10, 15 minutes early. You know, don't clock in. Check out what the vibe is on the unit. You know what I'm saying? And, and understand what you're walking into. Um, before you clock in. I think that's a great idea. You know, you don't have to walk around saying, you know, don't give me right. that patient. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but that is a good idea. Plus it helps you to relax a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, go to the bathroom <laughs> before you start your shift. So that's, that's a good practice to have. Um, then we only have like a few more minutes left. I did receive another email um, from Jessica, who says, thank you all for speaking out and for uh, having this platform on Nurses Out Loud. What advice would you give me to speak to my nurses on my floor? I've always wanted to use my voice, but I've always been silent my whole life. Um, so I think to me, I, I like to, you know, I like to ask just thought provoking questions. I don't like to throw um, like, you know, just throw all these facts at them. And because you lose people, you have to learn to meet people where they are. Right. And you have to remember that there were times when many of us were not really awake or aware to what was going on either. I was part of the problem just four years ago, encouraging vaccines everywhere, get your flu shot, get, you know, all of that. So that you have to remember there was a time when we weren't awake and aware either. So learn how to meet people where they are and just ask thought provoking questions. And you know, my favorite one is like, if all of the people were, were dying of COVID, then why weren't we pulling bodies from homes and off of the streets. Why is it the only place anyone is dying is at the hospital? And when I asked that question, 
just in a nice calm way not in in an accusatory way or anything like that just in a nice calm way um people stop and they think and they're like yeah gee you know i never really thought about that but you're right and that plants a seed and it usually grows from there and and when you don't attack people and like i always i like to say you know you, you know if somebody's thirsty give them a sip of water don't turn on the fire hose because again you're going to lose people so i think just kind of meeting people where they are um ask thought-provoking questions and um and just be willing to have that that normal civil discourse and discussion with people and understand they may not be where you're at but you got to plant the seeds where you can mm-hmm. that's my best advice that's all I get. um so is this question more directed towards like related to the COVID stuff or just in general of being someone that is trying to make an impact with the nurses that they're, that there is? is that- yeah, it sounded general. Um, they're, they're just thankful <laughs> that we are using our voices and they want to be able to do the same. I think um, one of the biggest things that I did um, when I worked with management or like as a charge, you know, it was always like lead by example. I know that actions go a lot further than words. I mean, we've all worked in jobs where, you know, people that you're supposed to look up to or supposed to be like in management, people that are supposed to know what's going on. um, Don't always lead by example. You know, that's easy to kind of tell somebody what to do. But, you know, like Kim said, like when you're short, you get on the floor, you know, you, you do things to help and, you know, be that person that they can go to. So one of the biggest things that um, I used my voice for was, you know, we're all having silent struggles that a lot of people don't realize are going on. And when people came to work, it was such a chaotic environment and we were always short staffed and there's, you know, there's all these things that are going on and just to really like know your people, you know, if you're somebody that's a charge or a manager, like really get to know your people, you know, make it genuine, try to build those relationships where you see how they're doing, like genuinely doing, and also lead by example, you know, if you're short staffed, or if you can help answer a call late, or, you know, I just, like I said, actions really speak volumes, and it really sets the tone for a collaborative team to come together and know that that person has my back. And we don't really see that anymore in healthcare. And that's one of the biggest things that like really kind of broke me from the beginning was, anybody that I've worked with will tell you, like I gave 110% and I stood up with them and for them and the pay- you could ask me anything. I was always there. You could call me on my day off. Like I was just that I've just always been that nurse, the patients come first and foremost, but also the safety of my staff. And so to make that impact, sometimes if you're uncomfortable having those conversations about anything in general, it's just like, show your actions, just show that you care, show that they matter, that you value them as a coworker or an employee, and that, you know, you follow through with things that you're going to say and that you just genuinely listen. Um, We don't have much empathy and nurturing anymore in this field. It's very kind of short and jaded. And, you know, we have newer generations coming in that just kind of, they kind of vibe different. And so um, if it's not their job, they're not going to do it kind of deal which doesn't really resonate with me because we're all there to do the same kind of job. But, you know, again, lead by example, you know, know the expectation and work together. And like Kim said, like meet them where they are. You know, there were a lot of nurses I worked with that may not have been the best at bedside, but they were great people and could have, you know, had left and gone to do different things that they were really good at. Um, And that's okay too. You know, it's okay to not necessarily be a bedside nurse, 
So again, just meeting them where they are with how we work as a team and how we communicate with people, how we, you know, uh, work together to resolve conflict, you know, really just being that point person that people can trust and go, yeah, okay, this is, because we always talk about why do people really leave? You know, a lot of jobs, they say like what, 80% of it is because of who your leadership is. Yeah. You know, they're not. They they don't don't leave the job. They leave the management. Exactly. So a lot of times if you're in those positions where you can have an impact on your nurses and just see them for who they are and know that this is, if I was a new nurse coming into this field, I would be absolutely terrified. This yeah. is a whole shenanigans of events. So, you know, I can't fathom what they're going through. And, and like you said, Ms. Jody, like they just don't know what they don't know. And a lot of times experienced people or individuals that have been there for a little bit, like you see these things and we don't know how to talk to each other. We don't want to be offensive. You know, everybody's walking on eggshells all the time because we can't say anything to anybody without being offensive. It's, this is healthcare. We we're dealing with people's lives. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes exactly. we have to figure this out. You know, we have to work together as a team and put our big, big girl boy pants on and just know, you know, that I can trust who is my leader, who is my point person. And they're not going to belittle me, talk bad about me, be toxic and put me in environments that are not safe. And so that's one of the things that I strive for and why I've stayed, because to me, it's like, it's like my identity is just going and making the people that are giving this type of care feel empowered to want to stay like you are, this is not a job for everybody. Not everybody can do this. Um, and some may not want to, and that's okay, but the people that stay and are able to really put their all into it, the impact that you can have is just, it's just amazing. And so we lack that a lot now. So I really hope for her, for the person who gave the question, you know, um, just be empowered to nurture your team, you know, really be there. And that, that, those are great. I'm, I I think I'll close it out by, by saying this briefly, um, speak with love, speak from the heart always, you know, don't give in to gossip. Don't, don't, you know, somebody wants to vent to you, you know, do it for, let them for a short time. Uh, but don't go down that path. I think the enemy tries to use our tongue, you know, because it doesn't have one. So it comes in us to try to speak through us. So don't go down that, that rabbit hole, you know, um, don't go down that, that path because it'll only just, you know, torment your soul in, in, in the long run. And then also, um, speak with science. Like we have evidence-based science, you know, evidence-based practice is what we are supposed to, um, use all of our interventions and, and what we do is supposed to be based on that. So if you are using evidence-based practice, not the newest thing that the CDC comes out with or FDA, you're actually using evidence-based practice, um, speak your mind. Cause that's what the three of us did. You know, we knew say mass didn't work period done you know, show me something different. They don't have anything different. So it's those types of things. Um, but that's all the time we have for today, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember we are on air five days a week on your favorite podcast platform by typing in nurses space out space loud. It's three separate words. Um, and, uh, as always, we would love to hear from you. So go to nurses at americaoutloud.com and until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. It's time and